Hello guys, my name is B, and I am one of the admins for the Lit Coven Book Club. I am also running the BookTube channel, and I wanted to provide in-depth book discussions of our quests on the channel, but I didn't want to have my face be a part of it because I really wanted to focus on the books itself and not me. I do have a few other books to get backlisted onto the channel, but um, today we'll be talking about Nevermore, The Trials of Morgan Crow. It is our side quest for the month, and it is a series by Jessica Townsend. It's a middle grade fantasy. It has 465 pages and 26 chapters, and it is um, wonderfully paced. It's such an amazing story. People liken it to Harry Potter, but just middle grade, and I would say that they are pretty correct in that analysis, but let's hop right into it. So when we open up the book, we open up with Corvus Crow, an elected leader, and Morgan's father giving a kind of eulogy to the town. So I'll read a little passage from that. <laughs> we wish to thank you, the citizens of our great republic, for your support over the past 11 years, he read in a clear authoritative voice honed by years of demanding order in the chancery. This has been a trying time for our family, and the distress will no doubt linger for some time yet. He stopped to clear his throat, looking up for a moment at his hushed audience. A sea of camera lenses and curious eyes gleamed back at him, a ceaseless assault of flashes and clicks. The loss of a child is difficult to bear, he continued, returning to his notes, not only for our family, but for the townspeople of Jackalfax, who we know share in our grief. At least 50 pairs of eyebrows shot upward, and a few embarrassed coughs broke the momentary silence. But this morning, as we welcome the ninth age of the Winter Sea Republic, know that the worst is behind us. There was a sudden loud caw from overhead. Shoulders hunched and faces flinched, but nobody looked up. The birds had been circling all morning. The eighth age took for me my beloved first wife, and now it has taken my only daughter. Another piercing caw. One reporter dropped the microphone he was thrusting at the Chancellor's face and scrambled noisily to pick it up. He turned pink and mumbled an apology, which Corvus ignored. However, he continued. It has also taken with it the danger, doubt, and despair that plagued her short life. My dear Morrigan, he paused to grimace, is finally at peace, and so must we all be. The town of Jackalfax, indeed, the entire state of Great Wolfacre, is safe again. There is nothing to fear. A murmur of uncertainty rippled through the crowd, and the onslaught of camera flashes seemed to slow. The Chancellor looked up at them, blinking. His paper rustled in a slight wind, or perhaps it was his hand shaking. Thank you. I will not be taking questions. So clearly we see by this that Morgan was pretty much never wanted in Jackalfax by her family. And as we read through the book, we see the distreatment that she um, receives at the hands of her family. Her stepmother, Ivy, really doesn't care about her. Her grandmother is a mean old woman and um, life just isn't what Morgan wants it to be, but it's what she's used to. So when we open the book, um, we find out that Morgan is cursed and that the townspeople blame her for literally everything. When she woke up on one winter morning, the kitchen cat was dead. And um, she's also been blamed for spoiled fish throughout the town, for old Tom in the town having a heart attack, floods in a town called North Prosper, um, and also stains on the best tablecloth in the house. It's predicted in this age that there will be one more year before eventide, so Morgan is really just holding out hope that she'll make it and that this year will actually be an okay one before she dies. And an 11-year-old thinking about dying isn't really a happy thought, but Morgan takes everything that she can in stride. So, 
The next part we should talk about is bid day. Bid day is where the kids in the town receive bids from various patrons who will then take them under their wing and apprentice them. And then they will become um, a part of the Wondrous Society or whatever the patron needs or is training them for. It's really unprecedented that a kid would get more than one bid on bid day. And so when one kid gets two, everyone is ecstatic, they're excited and everything. And then all of a sudden Morgan Crow gets one and everyone gets super uncomfortable. And um, it's hard for everyone to believe that someone would actually want her. And then she gets another bid and another one and another one. And the town is outraged because this should never happen. Morgan Crow is a cursed child and nothing good ever comes from a cursed child. The top two bids that we should focus on are the bids from Squall Industries and the bid from Jupiter North. Um, Ezra Squall is a very, very high member of society who does great things with wonder, which is essentially a kind of matter that helps power various parts of the town and um, just different things throughout the huge, fantastical land that we're in in this book. So after she receives the bids, she is approached by Mr. Jo- Mr. Jones, and he says that he... Um, Ezra Squall wants to take her on as an apprentice and she's just in shock and when she's led to accept the bids Mr. Jones does not show up but later on that night while Morgan is having pretty much one of her final dinners with her family a knock sounds at the door and in walks Jupiter North. Jupiter North is a patron of Nevermore. Morgan has never heard of Nevermore. She's never been to Nevermore. And Jupiter walks into the house and he asserts himself as taking Morgan with her. And he says, we don't have a lot of time. You guys can say goodbye, give your family hugs and kisses, which she kind of laughs at because it would never happen. He says, we must go because the hunt is on its way. The Hunt of Shadow and Smoke is um, this really evil entity that comes and takes kids takes cursed children on eventide and Morgan is scared to death of the hunt of smoke and shadow so as they're departing and running from the hunt of smoke and shadow Jupiter North and Morgan Crow hop into an arachnopod a metal contraption that um, can climb walls run through streets and everything um, called Octavia and Octavia helps them reach the clock tower in Jackalfax, and they slide through the clock face and straight into Nevermore. And that is where our adventure gets really, really cool. Um, and this is where we are introduced to our antagonist, the Wondersmith. The Wondersmith is, a, is essentially this evil guy who killed plenty of people, killed so many people of Nevermore. And Nevermore has taken every precaution in order to keep the Wondersmith out of Nevermore for thousands of years and he's never been able to return so everyone is still scared because there are things happening in Nevermore that shouldn't be happening and everyone suspects the Wondersmith is a part of it but Morgan has no idea what's going on Morgan doesn't know the history or anything about the town so she's just kind of stuck drug along listening about the Wondersmith but not really knowing anything about the Wondersmith now when we get into Nevermore we are taken to the Hotel Duke Lion, Jupiter North's pride and joy. When we are, <laughs> when we're introduced to Hotel Duke Lion, there is a really funny moment because on the cover of this book, there is a giant cat in a window. And I had no clue what this cat was supposed to be about. But when we get to Hotel Duke Lion, Fenestra 
the giant gray cat is the first one that we're introduced to and Fenestra is this grumpy old gray cat who's in charge of housekeeping and she plays no games guys. Fenestra is one of my favorite favorite characters in this book bar none. Um, we also meet Kedri, the concierge for Hotel Duke Lion. He's super sweet, super informative, kind of um, wary about the events that have been going on, but he's always at Jupiter North's side and he would never leave his side. We also meet Dame Shonda. She is a singer and she also um, entrances wildlife with her singing. She's gorgeous. Her entire closet is bigger than the lobby of the Hotel Duke Lion. She's glamorous. She has a man for every day of the week, like Lord Thursday or um, Sir Monday. It's just little cute nicknames like that. But she also has a tryst on the side with Kedri, the concierge, and they are totally smitten with each other. And it is so, so sweet to see. Hotel Duke Alliance is nothing short of magical. When you walk into the lobby, there is a giant shimmering pink chandelier in the shape of a giant ship. Um, the south wing is closed for renovations, and there's also a hall of like mysteries in there. The rooms, as you live in them, they get to mold and transform around you. So Morgan's room changes while she's there to um, go with how she's feeling. So one day her bed's a hammock. The other day her bed is a nice big four poster with moons and stars carved into the side. When she first got there, there was a small square window in her room. And as time went on, there were three windows floor to ceiling with arches. So it's little things like that, that the Duke Lion produces for its residents that makes it that much more magical. They have a smoking parlor where you can inhale different kinds of smoke, lavender for calming, um, rose for promoting sweetness and um, lack of temper. There's sage that you can um, smoke that helps f helps you feel cleansed and grounded. It's little attributes like that that really make the, ho the Hotel Duke Lion really magical. And I really want to praise Jessica Townsend for her originality with that because it was really sweet to see. And when you first arrive in Nevermore and they get at the Hotel Duke Lion, everyone is gathered on top of the hotel for morning tide. And at the start of morning tide, they take their brawlies, which are essentially umbrellas, and they hop off the Hotel Duke Lion and onto the ground and start celebrating. And it's really magical to see because that's Morgan's first interaction with Nevermore and she has to step boldly as they say and really, really has to hop into Nevermore with no reservations in her heart and I really love that. So now we will talk about the Wondrous Society. The Wondrous Society is made up of the elite of the society, the best, the brightest, the strongest, the most fearless of the society are all going to be part of the Wondrous Society and um, when we're first introduced to the Wondrous Society, it's via a letter that Morgan receives. Dear Miss Crow, congratulations! You have been selected by one of our members as a candidate for entry to the Wondrous Society. Please be advised that your entry is not assured. Membership in the Society is extremely limited, and each year hundreds of hopeful candidates compete for a place among our scholars. If you wish to join the Society, please sign the enclosed contract and return it to your patron no later than the last day of Winter of Eleven. Entrance trials will begin in spring. We wish you the very best of luck. Regards, Elder G. Quinn, Proudfoot House, Nevermore, F.S. So that's Morgan's first 
interaction with the wonder society and obviously it's kind of unsettling to her because she knows nothing about it but um when we get to the wonder society we find out that the one sock society is a little bit more in every way the weather's a little bit better the wind's a little bit stronger the sun's a little bit brighter but in the winter it's a little bit more miserable a little bit more cold a little bit more windy so everything that it has is a bit more of something and i really like um the description of that when we get to the one sock society we're introduced to some of the key players and candidates that are um going through the trials with morgan crow noel Devereaux, who's a candidate of bash charlton noel has the ability to sing beautifully and she's also gorgeous and kind of a brat so um we learned that she's the mean girl of the story and she has her little lackeys we also meet hawthorne who is the candidate of nancy dawson hawthorne is the best dragon rider um this side of the republic and the free state and he is going to wow everyone with his charm and his ability to cause trouble because what does he do when we first meet him guys he drops an entire gelatin dessert on noelle Devereaux's head because she's being mean so that right there gave him a five-star characterization for me <laughs> because noelle was so rude and hoffman was like hey are you hungry and this just drops the gelatin all over her head and that was super cool but as time goes on, we learn that there are over 500 candidates competing to be a part of Unit 919, and only nine will be taken in and made part of the One Sox Society. The elders that are the leaders of the One Sox Society are Elder Gregoria Quinn, Elder Helix Wong, and Elder Alioth Saga. Alioth Saga is a bull. He's a physical walking bull with hooves and everything else so i love that um jessica townsend incorporated like animals who could communicate and everything and who are magical and who can speak and who are dangerous into this book because i mean people don't really venture off into that very much and i love whenever authors incorporate humans and animals living alongside each other in society because let's be honest animals are super magic <laughs> but um now we're introduced to the trials there are four trials that every candidate has to go to go through in order to be admitted into the one sock society the very first trial that um morgan is introduced to is the book trial and the book trial is essentially just um the elders test your knowledge of what you've learned so far and they ask you questions and um the first trial morgan has to sit in a room with a bunch of other candidates and they stare at a blank piece of paper. The paper will ask you three questions and if you're dishonest, the paper will burst into flames or it will remain pristine and white and it'll show you that you passed. So Morgan's struggle with trying to get through to that is really funny to watch because the paper bursts into flames or I'm sorry, it starts like smoldering and burning quite a few times, but Morgan comes through. The second part of that trial is where the elders ask you questions and um, no one really knows what goes on in this room. But while Morgan is waiting, there's a girl, Candace, who is one of Noelle's friends, and she's trying to distract everyone that's going in for their tests. And she ends up telling a pair of twins that are studying that they aren't going to pass and they aren't ready. The twins run out of the building as Morgan's finishing her trial, and Morgan thinks it's kind of strange, but she doesn't think anything of it. Candace is very important in the story, and everyone should keep an eye on her because Candace's um, knack, her power, is super super cool 
Um, the next trial that we talk about is the Chase trial, and that one is essentially a game of sorts. You find your most noble steed. It cannot have more than four legs or wings because there was an altercation with a dragon and um, a pelican, I believe, and the bird was pretty much ripped to shreds. So no more flying animals, no more animals with more than four legs. It's just not allowed. And if you are found breaking any of those rules, you will be disqualified and you will not be able to um, move forward within the trials. Dear Miss Crow, the chase trial will take place this Saturday at midday in the heart of Nevermore. Inside the walls of the Old Town District, the United Nevermore Councils and Guilds has granted us permission to evacuate the streets of Old Town temporarily, ensuring the event will be undisturbed by the public. The remaining candidates have been divided into four groups. You are in the Westgate group. Please make your presence known to society officials at Old Town Westgate no later than 1130 on Saturday morning. There are three rules. <laughs> Every candidate must ride a living steed. This can be any creature of transport with no fewer than two legs and no more than four. Two, flying creatures are strictly prohibited. Three, candidates must dress in white clothes only. Any candidate found in breach of these rules will be instantly disqualified. The successful candidate in this trial will show daring, tenacity, and an instinct for strategy. Further instructions will be given immediately prior to the, trace, prior to the chase trial. Warmest regards, Elders G. Quinn, H. Wong, and A. Saga. Proudfoot House, Nevermore, FS. So during this trial, they have to run around and hit different colored rings. And um, as long as you hit a ring, you're admitted into the next trial. But closer to the center of the town, there are five golden rings. And these rings will admit you to a special dinner with the Elders. So Morgan climbs atop Finestra her most noble steed the gray cat <laughs> and they dive off into the fray and there's a rhinoceros that's running around um knocking people over and trampling them and finestra has made it clear that if this rhinoceros gets near her it's on site <laughs> so the rhinoceros tries to attack morgan and finestra and finestra attacks back the rhinoceros is um running away from the scene of the fray and he drops his rider off morgan then has to decide whether she saves the candidate who's fallen off or if she will um leave the candidate and go for the, the golden rings i won't explain that part because i don't want to spoil it but i love the chase trial it was one of my favorite parts of the books it was really fast paced and i love finestra did i mention that i love finestra <laughs> The next trial that we have is the Fright Trial, and this one will take place while the kids are at a Black Day Parade. The Black Day Parade was introduced as a way to honor the people that were killed in the massacre that the Wondersmith caused, and at first it was the patrons of the One Sock Society marching through the towns in rows of nine solemnly, and um, that was how they did it. But eventually it turned into a big day for everyone in the town to celebrate and everyone in the town to get together and honor their memory. While they're there, the kids hear a strange voice in a sewer and it's like, help me, I've broken my ankle. Oh, please help me, I can't stand by myself. Like, guys, please come down here. And Hawthorne's like, should we really be listening to a voice that um, is in a sewer that we can't see? And... <laughs> Um, Morgan's like, but she's hurt, so we should do it and, um, just be good people. And so they decide that Morgan is better off to crawl down alone. 
and that is where our fright trial starts. Morgan is introduced to Coven 13, a group of witches who present her with her final challenge of the fright trial. And they say if she follows the glow, that she will most likely be led to an answer that she needs or to the end of the trial. And she'll be um, put forth to the final show trial. And if she doesn't want to participate in the fright trial, then she's able to climb back up the ladder and go back out to the alley. And then she will leave the One Sock Society forever. Morgan decides that she's come this far why not just go through with it so she goes through and she completes the trial i will not leave any spoilers for that one either but that was a really dark eerie part of the book and i thought it was really really cool to be honest with you i love zombies of any any sort so any zombie scene is gonna be great with me they were given two frights one to see and one to believe and the second part of her fright was facing down the thing that she's most afraid of and um that part was scary but instead of shying away from the challenge morgan really rised to accept it and that was really really cool to watch so the whole conflict of this story is that morgan is not allowed to be in nevermore without papers and jupiter north has not provided any papers saying that she's a part of the free state or anything so we have this guy this inspector flintock who was on morgan the entire um book trying to get her papers trying to get her um deported from here he keeps calling her a filthy illegal and jupiter north jupiter north hates that with a passion so he's really trying to divert flintock away and um if flintock finds out that morgan is not legal she will be deported and jupiter north will face time in jail and um so as we go on through the trials, we find out that Morgan is only here in the free state because she's a part of the trials. The law essentially excludes her and saves her from any backlash while she's participating in the trials. So Flintock is really trying to find any loophole that he can in order to keep Morgan from staying in here because he has this weird vendetta against her and Baz Charlton and Noelle Devereaux have sent Flintock to Hotel Duke Alliance a couple times to harass Jupiter North and Morgan Crow. There is also another person that keeps popping up in the story and that is Mr. Jones. Keep a close eye on Mr. Jones throughout the story um, because he has a really, really big, big part in everything that has happened. Um, I don't think there's more I can talk about about the story without ruining it. But if this is a um, if middle grade is a genre that you've been on the fence about or worrisome about starting, I say go for it and this book would be a great introduction into that genre nevermore was magical it was colorful it was full of hope and a lot of life lessons it was definitely true to the age of the genre and i loved morgan crow's voice like i just loved it so much everything about this was so magical and i thank you guys so much for being a part of this and listening if you have um this far i hope it was in depth enough for you and I truly hope that you decide to support and follow um, The Trials of Morgan Crow because this book is nothing short of magic. Thank you guys for being here. Blessed be.